Black women are the rock of the family and so often put others before themselves. We want to encourage black women to put me before we sometimes because black women's health matters. This is the Soft Life Chronicles presented by All of Us Milwaukee at the Center for Community Engagement and Health Partnerships. This is the Soft Life Chronicles. I'm Denise Thomas, the Effective Communication Coach And I'm so honored to be your host for this special Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. tribute as part of the Soft Life Chronicles on 1017 The Truth. We also have two incredible leaders. And before I get into introducing them, I want to remind our listeners, Truth Nation, number one, thank you for listening. Number two, Soft Life Chronicles is about just that for many, 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 many years women of color, in particular those in the black and brown communities. Women have been expected to be strong, take care of everybody else, not focusing on our own self-care, whether that's mental or physical. And so partnering, the truth is partnering with all of us and UW-Madison, as well as all of us Milwaukee, in making sure that our valued listeners, in particular those that identify as women of color, are getting the information and increasing the awareness of taking care of yourself. So with that said, we have two dynamic, incredible leaders in the community. We have Mirta Sosa Pacheco, Program Manager of UW-Madison, All of Us, Milwaukee. And we also have Vivian King, All of Us Communications Advisor. And in particular today, she's going to be representing as a stroke survivor. And so I want everyone to understand this. Next to cardiovascular disease, stroke is a significant killer of women, in particular women of color. So Vivian, we are so honored and appreciative of having you today. Now, one of the things that we want to tie this to is that we are celebrating Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday, which was January 16th. And we are celebrating that continuously as part of the legacy that he created, he built, which still lives on today. And one of his many, many impactful quotes is, life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? And so today we're going to continue to reflect on his legacy and continue to manifest the aspect of leadership that is service. So I want to start off, again, welcoming Mirta and Vivian, ladies, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedules and being here. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Mirta, Vivian, you both have taken the responsibility, genuinely serving others in everything that you do. And I want to start with you, Vivian, in terms of how you have used your health challenge and man, Was it significant? And a a lot of people, when they survive, they may go into a place of just kind of disengaging, disconnecting, which is valid. However, you chose to take that health challenge and being a survivor and not only speaking and sharing your story in a very transparent and authentic way, but also writing a book, which, by the way, That book is crushing the game. So, Vivian, can you tell us a little bit more (laughs) about that health challenge, what exactly it was, and how you're using your story in terms of increasing the awareness of your health challenge? Yeah, you know, this dates back to um, 
October 25th, 2013. So we just passed nine years of me still being here because on that date, I could have been gone because I woke up that morning, felt fine health-wise. The only thing I thought was that, oh, yeah, I've had a rough week. It's been busy. And I was scheduled to go to the Girl Scouts breakfast that morning. And I thought, oh, I don't really feel like getting up and going. But a friend of mine had invited me weeks before. And because at that time I was over community relations at a healthcare system, I, um, I often filled tables and I hated when people would cancel at the last minute. And so I said, let me just get up and go. And boy, am I glad I did because um, I rushed out of the house. I had my makeup bag in hand because I was getting you know, ready and hurrying. And so I said, OK, I'll do my makeup on the way. And not while I'm driving. Don't worry. I'm not I'm not trying to have an accident. <laughs> but, so I do it at, stop at the stoplight. I'm going to say at the stoplight. We all yeah, do it. See those <laughs> right. So I did not get a chance to do that because the location was fairly close to my house. And so I went the streets and I, I caught every, you know, every light was fine. Right. So I didn't have a stoplight. So I got to my destination. So if I didn't, you know, do it on the way, I would definitely do it when I got to my destination. But I got out of the car and walked into this hotel without putting my makeup on, which was probably the first sign. But I wasn't cognizant of that. I went in and I started, um, you know, saying hi to everybody. I, I knew where I was sitting, et cetera. So they were escorting to my escorting me to my table and I get to my table and people are asking me if I'm okay. And I'm saying yes. And they said, maybe we should get you something to eat. So this event had so food wait a minute, stations. Vivian, time out. Cause I want people to understand. So they saw it. You didn't feel or see anything, but they could visibly see that something was wrong with you. Correct. Because mm. normally when I see people that I know, I'm hugging them and saying hi. And I apparently was not doing that at this time. And so they got, I sat down, they got me something to eat and I took one bite of sausage. Now this, this breakfast started at 730. I took one bite of sausage and that's the last thing I clearly remember for 10 days. Are you serious? I was rushed to, it was, it was, well, it was scary for everybody around there, right? I was out of it. So I, it wasn't scary for me at all, right? And so I was oh rushed goodness. to the hospital. And um, the closest one was not um, stroke care. And they determined that I was having a stroke. And so they rushed me to another hospital where I spent 10 days in neurological ICU and a total of 32 days in the hospital. So I ultimately had a massive stroke. So, Bibi, you said and you don't remember anything. I just want to clarify for the listeners. Were you in a coma? Were you unconscious? How did they diagnose the 10 days that you weren't conscious? Um, and, and I was in and out during those days. Okay. So um, I was in and out. I just don't remember it, right? Mm. People were in and out. They would... Like, I remember certain people being there, but I I could not tell you what really was going on. And so when I got to discharge day, the doctor was telling me, giving me discharge um, instructions. And, and then I happened to ask him about my birth control pills. 
because by then, you know, I was cognizant and, you know, I was good. I'm, I'm being discharged from the hospital. And he says, oh, no, you can't take those anymore. We think that's why you had the stroke. Mm. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so I, um, you know, started learning more about that. And every time that I would tell people what the doctor said, like half the women said, oh, yes, my doctor told me years ago. Um, to stop taking birth control pills over the age of 40. I was 49 at the time. And the other half said, I'm over 40 and, I, and I've never heard that. And there were just so many people who had not heard that, men or women, that I said, you know, maybe I need to write down my story. And so I decided to write a book. And when I sat down to write it, I wrote the first chapter, which is very short, and it is what I told you at the beginning of this show. And after that, when I was in neurological ICU, I didn't know what was going on. So I said, I need to talk to the people around me. And so that's when I started interviewing, going back to my former position as a reporter, using my journalism skills to interview the people around me. And I thought I would be interviewing seven to 10 people. I ended up interviewing 22 people. Wow. And it was kind of cathartic because they were filling in the gaps that I had lost during that time when I was out of it. So it was, it was very cathartic. And I'm, and I hope, and people have said that have read the book that they learned a lot about what can happen and especially people were surprised that it happened to me because I haven't had any major health problems right. up you're, until that you're point. You're like a symbol of community leaders that bring so much energy to any room, any venue, any event. So I, I could totally understand why your friends were like, Vivian, are you good? Because you're such a bright, shining light. This is so incredibly interesting, important. Vivian cannot thank you enough for just even kicking us off with your journey in terms of not only surviving a stroke, but sharing your story. So we are going to come back and hear more from Vivian. And in particular, additional information that we as women need to know about stroke and what we can do to further research. This is the Soft Life Chronicles in conjunction with the Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. Tribute partnering with UW-Madison, all of us, Milwaukee. Stay tuned. This is the Soft Life Chronicles presented by all of us, Milwaukee at the Center for Community Engagement and Health Partnerships on the new 1017 The Truth, The Truth app and 1017thetruth.com. Soft Life Chronicles in conjunction with the Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King tribute. We are here partnering with UW-Madison, all of us, Milwaukee, we have two very distinguished community leaders and servant they are. This is 1017 The Truth, and we want to make sure that you have the information and the awareness to live truly a soft life. Soft life, it means exactly how it sounds. No longer should you feel obligated to take care of others. No longer should you feel obligated to be strong every day, all day. It is all about living a soft life, putting yourself first taking care of yourself both mentally and physically. Today, we're talking about strokes, period. We're talking about strokes. 
We have Vivian King, the All of Us Communications Advisor, who is also a stroke survivor. We also have Mirta Sosa Pacheco, who is also part of All of Us. She's the program manager for UW-Madison All of Us and has a breadth of knowledge in terms of the research aspect. So ladies, again, thank you so much for being here. Vivian, I want to jump right back in to our previous segment. We were talking about your story of surviving the stroke. And when you became cognizant, you became aware, having that dialogue with your doctor and informing him that you were on birth control. And he's like, no, 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 we're not doing that birth control anymore because that played a significant factor in the cause of your stroke. Now, here's what I'm struggling with, Vivian, and I'm not as eloquent and refined as you are. So I'm just going to say it how I feel. (laughs) I'm not understanding in this country how we have medicine, prescribed medicine, that by choice will prevent us from reproducing or getting pregnant. And that's our right. But in the same realm of that right, well, I should say former right, it could put our life, not just in jeopardy, but literally could cause our death. I'm struggling with that. And I'm just curious, as you've had so many valuable conversations with other stroke survivors or people who've been impacted by strokes, has this been Mm -hmm. a subject matter? Has this been part of the, the dialogue? Well, I think that medications, prescribed medications, have intended uses. But really, if you look at any ad that you see for medication and they use a nice, you know, soothing voice to not, you know, bring alarm, but you'll hear, you know, may cause this, may cause drowsiness, may cause Oh, I love Fatal those baby. Bleeding, you know, that may cause sort your of eye thing. to fall out, may cause you to go blind in a week. May cause, yeah. <laughs> Trust me, so, I'm with you. You know, so so really you you find that with blood pressure medication, you find that with with a lot of different medication that um that really intends to help you. And that's why it's important for you to really be a partner with your doctor in asking about the side effects. Um, you know, having somebody monitor you when you are, you know, taking medication and making sure that you're getting all the information. And if you don't think you have all the information, making sure that you're asking the questions about it. Mm. Because, you know, even with, you know, with Pexlovid, you know, which is supposed to help you with um, COVID-19, there are side effects for that. You know, I I know someone, my mother had COVID and, and, you know, she had vaccines, et cetera. And um, but we went because she's of a senior age and I wanted to make sure, you know, that, okay, does she need Pexlovid, you know, but she had mild symptoms. And so she was, you know, the doctor said, no, you know, her vaccine, she has mild symptoms. She doesn't really need the Pexlovid. And so but we were really weighing that because the Pexlovid has um, certain side effects. And, you know, is that would that be worse than, you know, what her symptoms were at that time? So I think really any medication has, um, you know, has side effects and we just need to be aware of those and need to partner with our doctors to make sure we know that. Wow. That, that is so, I'm just literally so, because here's the thing, Vivian, 
and, and I'm sure you've heard this several times by your friends and peers and associates. When you typically think of a stroke, you think of someone who may be more senior or an elderly person. You don't right. associate strokes with people like you that are very vibrant, you know, beautiful physically and mentally, bring so much great energy and just a, a an energy. And I, I hope that the listeners understand that also, and we're going to talk more about this here shortly with Mirta. What are some of the unknowns regarding stroke, what causes stroke? Because just listening to you, no one would have ever thought, number one, that you had a stroke, less survived one. And, and this book, that this incredible book that you've authored, which we're also going to talk more about. But Mirta, I'm going to switch over to you. Because as someone who is heavily involved in the research aspect of many diseases, many discrepancies that are impacting the health of women of color, when it comes to strokes, what are some of the misconceptions or what are some of the things that we really need to know and understand about preventing a stroke or if we are having one or if we witness someone having one? How do we know? Uh, thanks. Um, thank you for asking that question. I mean, I think that Vivian could probably give some information about that as well, you know, as um, I, you know, t thinking thinking as not a cardiovascular or, you know, um, you know, heart disease sort of um, doctor. But I think I wanted to touch more upon, you know, the stroke itself as like one of those illnesses, like the conversation that you guys were having right now about birth control and medications and the stroke and just kind of like Vivian's causes and stories, because as Vivian will talk a little bit about later, you know, for her, it was because her birth control was um, was sort of like the cause for this stroke to happen, because as we just talked about, Vivian walks, she is active, she eats healthy, you know, all these things that usually are the things that people tell you, you know, be active, eat healthy, all that kind of thing. And so um, as far as, you know, the research goes, um, you know, to your point, you know, earlier about the medications, it's like, well, think about even chemotherapy, you know, when someone has cancer, the only way to get rid of that cancer really uh, at this point is to basically poison your body enough that your hair falls out. Like that's the best medicine we have at this point for for the, some of these illnesses, you know, and, and so um, I think that it's just really important for communities of color, especially that are adversely affected by, um, you know, stroke, heart disease. Uh, excuse me. Um, there's a there may be some uh, background noise right now. I'm in the office, but um, <laughs> I I think a huge thing about research is like for our communities to learn more and understand like how much time, effort, money, um, just all of these things go into creating new medications, and us being part of the research itself. Um, you know, being uh, for example, a program like All of Us, where we we're building the most diverse database, collecting all this information of health information of its kind that researchers can use to study health and illness. So if we don't participate in programs like this, then our information is not being used when researchers are trying to come up with new birth control or trying to come up with new stroke medications or things like that. So we really have to, you know, become involved and participate in the process itself. If that makes sense. Absolutely, it does. And thank you so much for that perspective, Mirta. And that's the key word. That's the key word is the involvement aspect because I, fully transparent, I am not involved and I need to be. And the first thing I'm going to do 
is purchase Vivian's book because I need to really because one of the things that just hearing you talk about your story, Vivian, is that it is so relatable. I mean, there's there's people every day that get up in the morning, especially women that get up in the morning. You know, we're rushing. We've got a destination to be at a certain time. You know, women, you know, we got to put at least our red lips or some some eye <laughs> right. <you> know, mascara. <laughs> These are these are things that women can relate to that are listening. Like this is part of our daily regime. And then to know that as a part of that, without nobody gets up in the morning and says, you know what? I'm going to have a stroke today. I mean, nobody says that. <laughs> exactly. So for you to make, you know, for me to be so transparent and share your story in that way, it really encourages. And I hope it's encouraging other listeners that. If if and when your body is telling you that something is wrong, respond immediately. Because one thing that stood out to me that you said, Vivian, is that I I felt physically fine, but I knew something was right because I entered the room without putting on my makeup. Even that alone was like something is wrong with me because I know usually when I go into any room, I'm going to have at least that on. So I appreciate you you being that detailed in sharing your story, because for me. I'm at a point in my life now where if my knee pops, I'm like, oh, something ain't right. right. <laughs> what's what's, exactly. what's going on? Do that. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not supposed to do that. Um, what are some... And to get back to the research yes. too, when I was um, writing the book, we had um, Dr. Jonathan, John, what's his last name? Miratha, I can't think of his last name, um, from Harvard. Um, uh, one second. Anyway, he was um, speaking at one of our events. And so I was letting him know about my book and, you know, that I had had a stroke and, you know, Jonathan why Jackson. Was... Sorry, Jonathan Vivian. Jackson. Yes. I almost said Jonathan Johnson. And I was like, that's not right. <laughs> Dr. Jackson. And so I was telling him I was writing a book and telling him what happened to me. And he said that is so important because there needs to be more research on how birth control pills impact women of color because the trials were with women that were not of color. And so there may be some idiosyncrasies that go with women of color and birth control pills that we don't know about yet. And, you know, birth control pills do, you know, a lot of different good things, but because of some of these things, ways and how they impact the bodies of women of color, there may be something that we just don't know yet. And and we that's why w- what Mirtha said is so right. We need to be at the table if we want to really mm-hmm. know how these medications Vivian, say us. that louder for the people in the back. <laughs> say it louder for the people in the back. We need to be at the table. This is not a game. Exactly. And people say, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. And that is the Ooh, case I love that. here. Although sometimes so, there's nothing wrong with know, it. Oh, I'm just... sorry. I digress. Okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> I got to keep it fun. Y'all know when y'all give me the mic, I'm going to keep it fun. So don't, they, the producers are looking at me. All right. So here's the, here's the thing. You can take that out if you want to. Here's the question I have. How do we have a seat? And this is for, for both Mirta and Vivian. How do we as women, women of Latino descent, black descent or African descent, how do we get a seat at the table? And specifically regarding the research process. 
We open our mouths. We we get in touch with people who are when there's a call, you know, any a lot of times um, research programs are looking for people. And so you will hear or see um, an ad that says calling all people who who have um, cancer or who have experienced, you know, stroke or who have, you know, whatever the case, Alzheimer's, exactly, Um, diabetes. And so researchers are advertising and need, um, they need people to be a part of their, to be a part of their, their research projects. If you get involved with all of us, we have your database, um, your, your information, but then you're also connected to the community. And when there are researchers that want to research a specific topic, they will send out information and you would be, um, you, you could say yes or no. And so, you know, it, with all of us, it's your choice. And so, you know, that's very empowering. You have the choice to say, yes, I want to be a part of that or no, that what that isn't a good fit for me. And, and you so can still be that's how involved. we get involved. Yes. Got it. No, that helps tremendously. This, again, is such an incredible conversation. You are listening to the Soft Life Chronicles in conjunction with the Martin Luther King tribute. I have the lovely... Mirta Sosa Pacheco, program manager of UW-Madison, all of us. And I say that she's lovely because she's full of love and servant leadership, along with Vivian King, all of us communications advisor and stroke survivor. Again, this is Soft Life Chronicles with your host, Denise Thomas, the effective communication coach. This is just the beginning. We are just warming up. You're listening to the Soft Life Chronicles, presented by All of Us Milwaukee at the Center for Community Engagement and Health Partnerships on the new 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Soft Life Chronicles 2023. This is your host, Denise Thomas. Listen, I'm going to get straight to it because each of our listeners deserve, and I mean especially those that identify as women, women of color, you deserve every bit of knowledge that you're about to gain during this segment specific to stroke awareness, stroke prevention, and how you can be involved in the process of preventing strokes. We have Vivian King, all of us communications advisor, and also a stroke survivor, and also an award-winning author of a book specific to her surviving a stroke and what she's doing now to make sure that others know how to prevent it, as well as Mirta Sosa Pacheco, who is the program manager of UW-Madison, all of us, Milwaukee. Ladies, let's get right into this. We've been talking about your journey, Vivian. We've been talking about how to get involved, how to have have a seat at the table as it relates to research, because typically decisions – Specific to stroke prevention, stroke, what's the word I'm thinking of? I can't even think of the word. Stroke treatment. Thank you. Treatments Mm -hmm. have excluded women of color. That is, that has to stop. So Mirta, I'm going to ask this question that I know a lot of our listeners, in addition to being involved, what have you experienced in terms of the hesitancy or the resistance to being involved regarding the research as well as just our overall health care? Sure, absolutely. 
Thanks, Denise. Yeah, um, I guess I'll start out. It's like a kind of like a double thing. So first of all, you know, African-Americans, like a lot of other communities, like many communities, you know, they've often been left out of research and or been literally abused by research. So it's one of the two. Either you've been left out or, you know, um, I'm sure that many people are familiar with examples such as the Tuskegee syphilis um, experiments and, um, you know, sort of those kind of research abuses that stay really for a long time in the sort of memory of entire communities of people. And so um, I think as a result, because of these things, we know less about, you know, black communities, health, brown communities, health, Native American communities, health and ways to provide these like communities of color with the best care. Um, so, you know, I say that combination of being left out and and or being, you know, abused. Um, people are hesitant for that. And then, you know, you then you add in a whole host of, you know, sort of modern reasons for for that. You know, people are a little uh, wary and a little, you know, more concerned about their privacy, their confidentiality. You know, when you join research, who who uses your information? How does that information, you know, is kept safe? Um, you know, in this day and age of social media and, you know, um, hacks on banks and all that kind of stuff. And so um, that I, I would say is kind of like a very elementary kind of overview of why there is some hesitancy over research that we've observed. Um, but, you know, I will say that programs like all of us, like the national, you know, the NIH is, is um, wants to change this. Um, and by joining the program, you know, we can help ensure that our community is included in health studies and therefore that we're included in tailored healthcare in the future. And that's why we're working with community partners, you know, such as the Truth Radio and others to educate communities of color about the program and how research has potential benefits for their families um, and themselves, even though, you know, I even I, but acknowledging at the same time, sorry, acknowledging that hesitancy and those very real reasons at the same time. I, I need that. Mirta, thank you so much, because I need that as a black woman. And I know other listeners can relate when I say I need that. I mean, really, we, we need that because I hear you. I hear you, Mirta. And I think that there's a lot of listeners that are also saying, I hear you. I completely understand. I just need somebody to hold my hand, for lack of better words. I need somebody to literally mm -hmm. hold my hand in this process because, again, mm -hmm. we've lived this this life of serving others and putting the strong face on and, you know, being invincible. And when it comes to this part of taking care of our health and preventing a lot of the things that you're sharing as part of the research, I'm still I need that holding hand. So I'm so glad that all of us provides that and meets women where they are versus expecting us to just get up and say, yep, I'll be a part of it because there are so many realities that we've experienced that again, have deterred us from being a part, being involved, taking a seat at the table. So thank you so much for that. Vivian, before we close out this segment, prior to surviving the stroke, what did you know if at all, anything about strokes. And when you look at your journey, what would you tell yourself prior to that day in 2013? So I knew about FAST, if you will, which is the acronym that says, that lets you know 
that you're seeing somebody have a stroke. So, you know, your face drooping, your arm weakness, speech difficulty, and then the T is for time to call 911. And and now they've ha- added um, B fast, and so added B in front of it to say, but I guess I didn't know the B fast yet. So, because now they're adding balance and, um, and, and I trouble. But I knew about fast. And, you know, and I thought, um, oh, people who have strokes, you know, have high blood pressure. Um, you know, they're they're overweight, perhaps. They're they're not active. They don't exercise. And so those are the things I knew. And so I didn't. I, I, there was no thought in my mind that, you know, I, I was going to have a stroke. Now, what I have since learned, since I learned about the birth control pill, and it's funny because, you know, sometimes women can be, you know, can can be can be cruel to each other. Now, I have very loving friends, right, and loving women in my life. But in going out and talking about my book, um, this one woman was like, oh, well, you should have known that. Everybody knows that. And I said, no, everybody doesn't know the link between birth control pills over the age of 40 and stroke and, and no, and not everybody has been told. That was your clap back. See, that's why I know you're so better than me. That was your clap back. Cause I would have been like, Oh really? Oh, that's what we doing. See, that's why I love Vivian. She's so eloquent. She was like, no, um, blah, blah. I'd have been like, Oh, you want to go there? Class. <laughs> yes. Class. Well, and it's so funny because she also said that, that there are people who've been in the hospital longer and had recoveries longer. And I was thinking, did she have a stroke? But I didn't say that. You right? know what? I'd have been like security, security, but go ahead, Vivian. I'm sorry. See, you're so classy. <laughs> but the thing is, you know, what I've learned now is anytime you are being given some kind of medication, you need to ask questions about it. You need to ask about, is this right for me? Mm. You know, it, uh, what are the side effects? You know, people, you know, say, oh, people are Dr. Google now. You know, my doctor said, I, I emailed her one time and I said, okay, Google said that I have this. And she's like, can you get off Google and just come see me, please? Right. And can <laughs> so, you elaborate, Vivian, because you made such a profound statement. Is this right for me? So can you break that down? How? Do, so, for example, when I ask that question, I should be saying things like, so, for example, I've been experiencing insomnia or um, I work out and I do weightlifting, like really be specific. Right. right. Like what are some of the things when you should be focusing on when you ask your doctor, is this right for me? Absolutely. Because your doctor, you know, and first of all, everybody should have a primary doctor, that part. Right. Mm-hmm. Because then your doctor will know what you have been through, will know the test you've had, will know, you know, your body. Not as well as you, but, you know, we'll know the patterns. And so you need to have a primary care physician. And then you can have a conversation with that person about, you know, this is happening. You know, they'll ask you questions like how how long do you sleep normally? You know, so you know when your body is doing something different. And so everybody is different. You know, everybody, come. we all come in different shapes and sizes and and environments. And so, you know, who, who knows what the environment is doing to us? Mm. Um, who knows what our work schedule is doing to us? And so that's what I mean by is this good for me? Because then they'll break that down like, well, well, 
what did you eat or, you know, how much sleep are you getting or, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll talk to you and you need to, to be taking notes. So like anytime when I go to my annual physical, like I went in December, I make sure I have a, when, when there's something that's not an emergency, but something different, I make sure that I list the things that have been different. You know, I, I kind of keep a running tab, you know, so that when I go to the doctor, I can say, you know, this started happening at such and such time. And that gives them a clue as to how to kind of pinpoint what's mm. going on with you. That is so. And everybody's everybody's different right? everybody's we all different. Are different we eat different things you know what i mean so ladies quit putting robitussin on everything it's no longer a solution okay because <laughs> when i was growing up i'd be like grandma my eyeball just fell off the socket baby go go get some robitussin and i'm just kidding she didn't say that <laughs> but then also you made a, such a great point google is not a doctor google should not right. be your healthcare treatment yes there is a tremendous breadth and wealth of knowledge and factual knowledge that you, you should gain. But keep that in mind that it's not specific to you. It's not specific to you. So definitely, as Vivian had mentioned, uh, I'm so tired of us relying upon the Internet to be our therapist, to be our healthcare mm-hmm. physician. It is not. Do not discount mm-hmm. or disregard the mm-hmm. significance of having primary health care physician that knows you, that you have a relationship with, that you can talk to about anything. And to Vivian's earlier point, it's a relationship. It's, you know, don't look at your doctor because that's that's what I'm struggling with, Vivian. I have always had a fear of going to the doctor since I was a little girl. Like my mom had to literally Mm. pick me up. I'd be screaming. I could still remember the smell of alcohol before you get an immunization. I just have always had a high phobia. And I know a lot of women can relate. And as I'm now going to be approaching 47 this year, even though I'm active, even though I eat healthy, I know that there are certain things that I need to be more transparent with to prevent, not to respond, but to prevent from happening. So I'm just thank you, Vivian. Thank you for sharing this story. And Mirta, I, I want to go back to you because for those that may be just tuning in, we were talking about the equitable process of being involved in research because there are some elephants in the room. Um, in particular, as you had mentioned, the Tuskegee Project. And a lot of folks of color are like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good with the whole research. Mm-hmm. Just let me know when the final product has dropped. And don't forget Henrietta Lacks, The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. If you've read that story, I mean, it, it was horrendous. But now the Lacks family is a part of the All of Us Research Program. Oh, that's incredible. So yeah. they are they are advocates for research even after what has happened to them and their family. And what was the name of the family again? Some folks can do some Googling. The Lacks family, Henrietta Lacks. L-A-X? L-A-C-K-S. Okay. Yes. Okay. And Mm -hmm. so she was, um, she had cells that, that kept regenerating themselves and they would just, they just kept regenerating themselves. And so researchers were, were using them for different research projects for years and they did not get the proper um, permission from her. They, they, they just, they just, she was in the hospital and, and they took it upon themselves to take her cells and, and they're called HeLa cells and, and scientists and science students and, and researchers know all about HeLa cells. And so that's what um, that story is about. But now they're, um, 
her family is really uh, making sure that people know her story. Uh, they celebrate her story, but they also celebrate research, too, because right. they recognize that research needs to be done. Yeah. And so, but in know, a proper way. Exactly. Like ethical research. And when we speak ethical research, you know, it's because uh, and again, like we said, you know, totally acknowledging all of this real history and this very real, um, you know, um, consequences of of actions that have been taken um, on communities of color. But, you know, basically we, we come to it. I mean, if we're not part of it still, we will always be left behind. Always. You know, if we just wait, like, OK, forget the research, you know, like, like you said, Denise, like, you know, funny earlier, like, you know, just tell me when the final product. Well, that final product's not going to work for us. It's mm. not going to work for women of color. And it's not going to work for because we decided, you know, for whatever reason, again, if we don't participate in it, the medicine will not have been tested on us. That the treatment is a will tweet. not have been twisted. You better say it, Mirta. That is a tweet. <laughs> if we're not involved, then how can we expect the research to even factor what we need? I love that. Exactly. Such a powerful yeah. way to close this segment. Soft Life Chronicles, we're talking about stroke prevention, stroke survival, and ultimately how we can be involved in the research project. We have Vivian King. We have Mirta Sosa Pacheco. This is Denise Thomas, Soft Life Chronicles. More to come. This is the Soft Life Chronicles presented by All of Us Milwaukee at the Center for Community Engagement and Health Partnerships on the new 1017 The Truth, The Truth app and 1017thetruth.com. Stroke awareness, stroke prevention. You are listening to the Soft Life Chronicles. This is Denise Thomas, your host, and I'm so honored and thankful for our two guests today, which have totally amplified my willingness and ability to be involved in the research process. Vivian King, all of us communications advisor, as well as stroke survivor, and Mirta Sosa Pacheco, program manager for UW-Madison all of us Milwaukee are here. They are sharing their knowledge, their expertise, their experiences. And as we wrap up this particular segment, first and foremost, Vivian, I want to make sure that we talk about this. How can people, where can people purchase your incredible story that you turn into a form of a book? Where and how can we buy it? So you can easily go to VivianLKing.com and on my homepage. I have the book. You can click Amazon to buy. You can click Audible if you want an audio book or if you want. I have paperback books and people can also um, send me a chat um, on my website and let me know that and they and I'll send it out to them as well. And I'll sign that copy. So, yes. Um, it, Autograph. It, it may be <laughs> the price just it went may up. be cheaper on Amazon, but you'll get a signature from me. <laughs> the price just went up. It's gonna be three thousand with Vivian's signature versus thirty dollars. Um, in all seriousness, I, I really want the listeners to understand that Vivian's book, it's not only an easy read, but it's important read. And she tells a story in the way that most of us usually don't receive awareness regarding health. It's relatable. It's transparent, it's vulnerable, and again, all of us as women of color will be able to relate to this story because quite frankly, a lot of the research, a lot of the engagement that when you hear doctors on news channels, they're not talking specifically to us. So Vivian, thank you. Thank you for breaking the monotony of not feeling included in the research process. Now, Mirta, I want to ask you, how can people stay abreast of all of us 
at the Center for Community Engagement. Uh, thank you, Denise. Yes, absolutely. So we have a website uh, where people can have more information about the program. It is allofus.wisc.edu. That's allofus.wisc.edu. And we also have a phone number um, where, you know, we answer it, a, a person, not a recording, but a person answers it, you know, during business hours, Monday to Friday, for any of your questions, as many times as you want to call. Um, and before you make any kind of decision. And so that's 888-294-2661. It's 888-294-2661. And we're always more than happy to answer any and all of your questions regarding any kind of, of uh, concern, um, you know, curiosity, uh, as far as the All of Us program goes. So thank you so much. Thank you. And for all of us at the Center for Community Engagement, can people just walk in? Or do they need to call and make an appointment? What's the best way to we, visit the center? We pref- we love appointments, and so we um, that phone number. You know, uh, we're always we're always there and ready. And we have a um, you know local, uh, very wonderful uh, coordinator here um, to take care of you basically whenever you do come in. And we're here at on Twelfth and and Highland, basically Twelfth and State here at Aurora Sinai. Love downtown. it. Thank you so much. Vivian, Mirta, want to close out with this. We're in a new year. A lot of people are recalibrating their goals and how they're going to even take care of themselves. Final takeaways. What do you want to see from women of color, women in the Latino and black communities do more of stop doing, start doing? What are your thoughts? What do you want us to do better? Well, Denise, we were reflecting on the quote from Dr. Martin Luther King in the wake of his birthday and holiday. Life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? So I decided to write my book for others. And it's called When the Word Suddenly Stopped, Finding My Voice Again After a Massive Stroke. Because that's my testimony. And I needed to share it. Because if we don't share our stories, you know, we don't want people in our business or we don't want them knowing this. But if we don't share our health stories, it really can kill us. And so we need to share, share, share so we learn from each other and so that we can make sure we know what's going on with us and how we can help ourselves. Period. Mirta. Thank you, Denise and Vivian. I would say... You know, in keeping with the with the soft life sort of idea is like paying more attention to ourselves and how we're feeling and um, being honest, you know, when we're not just with ourselves, but with our family, with our friends and with our colleagues. And just generally, you know, when people ask, usually, you know, how are you? Most women will say, oh, I'm great. I'm doing so good and everything, even if you are feeling, you know, maybe not so well that day. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you um, didn't sleep very well. So I just feel like you know, being honest with uh, with your feelings and and being really proactive as much as possible about, you know, your health. I love it. Ladies, cannot thank you enough. Our listeners are so appreciative. This is Soft Life Chronicles partnering with all of us, Milwaukee. Please, please, Truth Nation, in particular, the women listeners continue. We hope this is beneficial for you. We hope that this encourages you to put your health care mentally physically, emotionally, spiritually first. You deserve it. We love you. Truth Nation, let's live a soft life. This is your host, DT, Denise Thomas, the Effective Communication Coach. Have a great day.
The proceeding was a paid program. Advice and opinions expressed during the Soft Life Chronicles are solely that of the hosts or guests and not those of 1017 The Truth, Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC, or all of us Milwaukee at the Center for Community Engagement and Health Partnerships.